Blog Talk Radio. Saturday morning, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to Over the Top Sports Radio. Saturday morning, April 21st. Hope your weekend is off to a good start. I know it is for some of us here. Maybe not so much some others out there probably unable to watch right now. Horsey, hello. How you doing? Um, but uh, thanks for tuning in. And uh, <laughs> and uh, we got a big show for you guys today. An hour and a half show, 90 minutes until noon today. Got a lot to talk about. NFL draft, NHL and NBA playoffs. Baseball, some pitching problems in New York for both teams right now with Matt Harvey and Sonny Gray. We're going to hit it all and more. We want to do it with you guys. So give us a call at 646-716-5403. That's 646-716-5403. Of course, on our Twitter at Over the Top Sport. No S. Over the Top Sport on Twitter. You hit us with your questions. And if you're watching on Facebook Live, comment, questions, concerns, throw them out there. And on Facebook, we will address them on the air. Big Mike, Robbie D, Vinny the Shark, Goon, the big birthday boy, uh, all hanging out with you today. Everybody's together, and I guess we start in the NBA, guys, because uh, LeBron James is now facing something he's never faced in his career, and that's a deficit, 2-1 deficit in the first round of the NBA playoffs. Um, reason for concern, because last night they had a big lead on the Pacers, Vinny. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich had a huge game for the Pacers. They come back, and they get the win. They're up two games to one now. How concerned would you be if you're a Cleveland fan? you got to be somewhat concerned because they're playing another game on the road here, and they already dropped one at home. So you got to be a little bit of uh, – you definitely have to have some concern. But, I mean, the bottom line is LeBron's still the best player, and you can't rule him out. And um, I still have Cleveland going to win in seven. I'm going to stick with that. But, I mean, the way they, they had that game and they let it slip from them, and Bogdanovich stepped up big time and hit a crucial bucket late. I mean, um, just to see LeBron lose and be in this deficit, it just shows you that the Cavaliers are not as strong as they uh, usually are. Yeah, we've seen LeBron be down 3-1 before in the finals and come back and win. So, 2-1 in the first round against the Pacers. Did against the Warriors, which was impressive. Right. So, against the Pacers, I mean, you, you feel like you shouldn't be too concerned yet. But like when you, you got that road game next and the Pacers have all this momentum, they're a good home team. The Cavs just a 500 road team this year. Definitely uh, definitely got to be worried about it. And LeBron, is does he just have enough support around him? And just long-term, are you concerned? Even if he pulls out this series, you have to feel long-term that this team is not somebody that's going to be uh, – as good as maybe we had thought. Is it going to come down to this guy has to score 40-plus points in order to get victories for this team? Because, I mean, the Cavaliers, they only put up 90 points. This is a team that's been one of the best offensive teams. Obviously, we know about their defensive problems. But, I mean, LeBron won that game single-handedly in game two. Uh, he put up, what, 28 points last night? 28, 12, and 8. Yeah, so he did his part. But, I mean, does he have to do more? It's almost like that NBA Finals where he didn't have uh, Kyrie playing and uh, he had to do everything himself to single-handedly try to win, and he fell uh, short. I mean, there, it's a lot to ask for this guy. He's capable of doing it, but, I mean, the Pacers are the real deal, guys. I mean, if they're going to get production out of Bogdanovich, like people like that outside of Oladipo, like very underrated players like Miles Turner over there and um, that, uh, even Darren Collison coming back there in a place that he's played uh, for a long time, 
this is a this is a good Pacers team. They actually be up, and Victor Oladipo is a, is a star in this league. He really is. Yeah, and I have an issue with J.R. Smith taking the last shot of the game, Vinny. Oh, I don't know who was out there out on the wing, but he's standing Jordan there Clark. wide open. So, I mean, listen, either or Smith's a pretty good shooter. Clarkson can shoot a three also. But when Clarkson's that wide open, uh, that has to be the play then. If, you know, LeBron was getting double teamed. We all saw it. Um, the, the That's sp- a high percentage J.R. Smith shot, though. He's the master of making the half-court shots. <laughs> yeah, but what's the percentage of that actually happening? I know. It's, it's, it's a bit of a joke, but, I mean, um, he, he – And he was right. already – He of, passed up Jordan Clarkson on a wide-up and three right in the wing, and he didn't even look over there at all. And Smith was two of eight from three for the whole game. He was three of 11 from the field. He was not having a good night. He looked like crap out there. And I agree with you with the 90 uh, points. That's It's nerve-wracking. LeBron at 28, Love at 19, and then it was George Hill 13, Kyle Korver in 20 minutes zero. J.R. Smith at eight and thirty-four. Rodney Hood at eight and twenty-eight. Uh, Nance Jr. six. Jeff Green six. Uh, and uh, Calderon didn't play, which I don't understand either. Uh, do you know if he was hurt? Or I mean, he looked pretty good two nights ago. He looked decent. Yeah, I don't think that was too much of a big deal with him, though. He's old. Yeah, I still liked him. So uh, as far as the stats go, they were pretty even. Uh, both field goal percentage was uh, Cleveland shot forty-four, Pace is forty-six, three-point thirty-one, thirty uh, in favor of Cleveland. So. They actually uh, matched up. Both had 17 assists, uh, steals 11 and 8, blocks 3, turnovers 17 and 20. They were very evenly matched, Vinny, and that's what scares me. As you say, it's going seven games. Uh, I'm a little nervous as a guy that bet Cleveland uh, to advance to the uh, next round. It's going to be interesting because let's say the Pacers win. They're going to be up 3-1. to one. It's going to go back to Cleveland. You have to imagine LeBron's not going to lose on his home court like that. Uh, game 6 would be pretty interesting, but, I mean, you gotta you got to win this game first before we, uh, you know, count our – you know, count everything as it's going. Usually, a team wins, you're all riding them. You know, the Cavaliers win game four. What are we talking about? We're talking about how Cleveland's back, you know? You're just riding the team after they win. The Pacers won, so we're all riding the Pacers right now. But, I mean, is Bogdanovich going to put up 30 every single uh, game in the series? Probably not. But Victor Oladipo somebody you can count on. It's more of LeBron's supporting cast, which is the issue here. And my thing is, is this is just more of a long-term concern for the Cavaliers uh, struggling with the Pacers. I don't want to take anything away from Indiana, but they're not the 76ers. They're not the Raptors. They're not Boston, although Boston right now might be uh, hurting a little bit, obviously, with the big injury. But um, if you're going to have this much trouble with the Pacers, you're only a 500 road team, and you're not going to have home court advantage the rest of the Eastern Conference, actually the whole rest of the playoffs. So um, that's the concerning thing for me is if I'm a Cleveland fan or Cleveland player is how can we – keep advancing and compete for a championship right now. I don't, I'm not so sure that they're ready to anymore. I know you've been on them all year, but I'm just watching them. I'm a little concerned long-term. Yeah. I mean, um, it's interesting. I'm hoping, I'm hoping I'm wrong. I've been, uh, you know, I hate LeBron, but I've been praising him. He deserves the props because he is, he is still the best player in the league, whether you like him or not, but um, his supporting cast isn't good. It might be the worst Cavalier team he's had since he made the finals against the Spurs way back in his early days before he left the heat and ruined the NBA. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's interesting, the, the team, uh, the supporting cast around him, it's not good. It really isn't. When he leaves, sorry, Rob, is this a 25-win team? Probably. <laughs> that's Probably. why he should MVP, <laughs> honestly. I mean, we all picked James Harden to win MVP, but that's why he should win MVP. Houston can make the playoffs without James Harden. He, or at least compete for he's it. Get a, they're he's not, not near. They're not nearly a playoff team without LeBron James. Yeah, absolutely not. Absolutely not. This could be hilarious when he leaves again. And I'm a LeBron hater, and I'm a big Jordan guy when you get into the whole Jordan-LeBron debate. I don't even think it should be a debate. But you can't take anything away from LeBron. If they did lose in this first round of the Pacers, there's only so much one guy can do. 
There he's really already is. out of there. So I think he's if he can go one more I've run, that, that's what he's looking I've heard for. That about guys but he's gone. Yeah, him and JT, <laughs> they both uh, they're going new homes. I'm curious though, where would he go? Because I think he'd be so dumb to go out west. I mean, naturally, he's had the uh, the free tickets to the NBA Finals in the Week Eastern Conference every single year. Is he too? He's not. He's smart enough not to leave that, right? But it doesn't want what to about the Lakers? Maybe he goes to Philly. Philly, I, I, I heard Philly, Philly doesn't. Everybody hears that, but I don't. I don't see Philly needing him. Honestly, it makes sense for a sellout like LeBron to do something like that. Right. Well, that's the Kevin Durant way. He's going to go the easy way because they're already maybe the second best team in the East, if not the best. Listen, right Dur- now. Durant sold out, but LeBron started to sell out. LeBron Kevin, Kevin Durant out. LeBron. LeBron. The whole super team thing was LeBron. Yeah. And that's all it was. And, that, and you're right. That did ruin basketball. It ruined the way I was a fan. It, it's, it's not the same thing. Once he went to the needy room in the NBA, and people think he uh, earned the respect back by going back to Cleveland, it was a more sellout move by going back to Cleveland. <laughs> it made him look like a bigger sellout going back. Oh, now that I won my championships, everyone rebuy my jerseys that you break because I won, and now I want to win one for you. Now, you also went there after they drafted Kyrie Irving, and you also got Kevin Love in the deal. Like, do something on your own, man. Do something on your own. That's why I'm, I know he's going to leave. It's just a matter of where and does he go out west. Uh, I think that the best place out west for him would be the Lakers. That's just what everybody's going to talk about. It's the big time. That's L.A. That's the extra money. Um, you want to know the sleeper team for the LeBron Sweet Stakes? The Houston Rockets. Oh, God. That would be the ultimate sellout move. Yep. Because the Rockets don't, don't be surprised the if he goes over him. there with uh, his boy CP3 and James. They might win the championship without him. Uh, staying in the uh, NBA in the Eastern Conference, it was the Wizards last night getting on the board, uh, keeping home court going in that series. They beat the Raptors by like 20 points. It wasn't even really that close. Uh, the Wizards in the third quarter, uh, second and third quarter kind of broke it open. Uh, they didn't look back. Uh, John Wall was his big game, 28-14. This is exactly what the Wizards needed. They uh, fell down to nothing. Uh, this is going to be an interesting series if everyone can hold their, uh, their end on the home court. Obviously, if Washington lost the series being down 3 nothing, they weren't going to win this series. And now they're going to they're going to make a stand for themselves over there at the phone booth at the Verizon Center. Uh, Washington, they're a good team. They, they have playoff experience. Obviously, their backcourt is great. Uh, they just got to win another home game, and they got to try to steal one on the road. I like Toronto's chances of winning one on the road better than the Wizards do, though. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. Bradley Beal also uh, 28 points. So you mentioned the backcourt, and that is a special backcourt there. Uh, in the third game last night, uh, the Bucks also getting on the board at home. Um, Chris Middleton, I guess, was the big score for them. He had a big game, almost had a triple-double, couple uh, rebounds and assists shy of that. But uh, the Celtics on the road just didn't get off to a good start. They couldn't shoot the ball well in the first quarter. Uh, they were down by, I think, 17 at one point in the first quarter. They were down by 15 at the end of it. And it was a game that the Bucks – Boston never had it in them to go on any kind of run to make this even close. This was a blowout from the beginning to end. Now, this was like the Celtics team people were expecting without Kyrie and Gordon Hayward in the playoffs. Uh, looks like we're not going to see any sweeps in the Eastern Conference uh, on basketball playoffs. Um, listen, uh, Milwaukee played great, and Giannis didn't even have his best game. They just had a complete game, and the Celtics didn't have it. Uh, one sixteen, that's tough for the Celtics to roll with. I mean, uh, Celtics are not a great offensive team considering the injuries. If you're going to put up 100 against the Celtics, you have a good chance of winning and they shot 57% from the field at home, which is, you know, a terrific number, and 485 from three. So they, you mentioned it, Rob, they were hot the whole night. They never went cold, and Boston couldn't keep up with that. You shot 48% from three-point. You're beating anybody and everybody on any given night, no matter where the game is. I agree. Especially, uh, especially at home, and you know Boston kind of, uh, they kind of got stunned in the first quarter, and they just never, ever were able to get it back. And I'll uh, give credit to Milwaukee. Um, making a little bit of a series out of that, at least making game four a vital game. Obviously, if Boston wins, we know they're going to probably go home and win it in five, but if Milwaukee can win that big game four and it gives you a reason to want to watch it, they actually can make a series out of that. 
Uh, Boston, of course, you know, they, they're just so injured this year. They're missing probably the two best players, one for the whole year, and now just one for the playoffs in Kyrie Irving. And another note on that game, um, I don't know when it was. I think it was after game one. Uh, they asked Eric Bledsoe about Tyree Rozier, and he pretended like he didn't know who he yeah, was when he got shut down. Like, you're a, you're a stupid idiot. This guy has shut you down completely. You you laid out duds in the first two games because of Tyree Rozier, and he Both also had clutch bucket yep. in game one. Uh, obviously, Middleton answered, but uh, how do you go out there and say you don't know who he is? Just so disrespectful by Bledsoe and just uncalled for. It. it is. And don't forget that the, the Bucks very well could have won that game one in Boston. That game went to overtime. We know that they all they traded the three-pointers in the final second. Um, but um, that, that they could have won that, and they could be in control of the series up 2-1. to one. It's a very close series there. Uh, action today, Sixers in heat. Uh, the heat on the board, they're down 2-1. to one. What do you think is uh, going on in this game? you think the Sixers can get a win in uh, Miami today and really take the stranglehold of this series? I got to tell you, man, the Sixers look impressive. They really do. They look pretty damn good. Uh, the phantom of the process looked great <laughs> in game three. Um, and with John Bean back, I got to give the nod to the Sixers. Um, Rob, I was with you with the Heat. I thought this game, was, uh, this series is going to go seven. But, I mean, the Sixers already stole one on the road. And uh, they put up big numbers, man. They, this team could flat out score. Um, I got I to go with the Sixers, man. I don't think the Heat can match them. I agree with you, Vinny, but that line of three and a half scares me. Um, I know they're on the road, but three and a half, there's just something about that that scares me. But I do like the 76ers. The spreads have been interesting in this, Mike. Uh, remember game one, uh, Sixers completely blew out the Heat. And then game two, they left the spread alone. And the Heat covered. And they actually won the game outright. They won the game outright. So um, it, it's interesting what they've been doing with these lines. I forgot what the game three spread was. Is that either of you guys know off the top of your head? No. It's probably something like that. It's I think it was like, six, no? It was Sixers minus six. Uh, on the road, I doubt that. But mm, they were they were minus six at home. Yeah, yeah, that, that it was six and a half two. both uh, game one and game okay. two. I remember that, but um, I don't remember the game three spread. I'm curious if it was three and a half. They left it again because uh, if so, I, I'd say roll with the heat. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if I have time to find that right now. Maybe uh, Goon can look that up for us. But either way, um, I bet you if it was three and a half today and they won game three on the road, it was probably something similar. They're probably leaving that that alone. Um, New Orleans looking for a sweep today. We thought, and a lot of people thought, if there was a series in the West that could go seven, it would be New Orleans and Portland. Sure. And uh, Portland's kind of spit the bit, and uh, New Orleans with the chance at home today to be the first team, uh, first team in the West to advance, right? Yeah, they would be. Uh, listen, the Pelicans and Anthony Davis are a force. Drew Holiday and Rajon Rondo are in great playoff form. I mean, you got to tip your cap to Rajon Rondo. This guy goes from barely having a place in this league, and then all of a sudden he's playing like he was on the Celtics championship team again. This guy's playing lights out. Drew Holiday's defense on Damian Lillard has been superb, and Anthony Davis is showing everybody that he's going to win an MVP trophy one day. The Pelicans look sharp as hell, and this is a team not to be reckoned with. They're going to sweep the Blazers. Listen, I knew the Blazers weren't a strong three seed, but I did not by any means necessary think the Pelicans would take two on the road and be up three nothing right now. They had their way with the Blazers game three, and I, with the Blazers with their back against the wall, I still don't think they have enough to come out. I think they're getting swept. And this is two of the teams that ended up a game within a game of each other, you know, at the end of the regular season uh, in that Western Conference, you know, where Denver, you know, got the ninth seed just two games behind, one game behind. The I think last the spread place. was two and a half. Two and a half. Okay, so it's an extra point tonight now. Three and two and a half. half. So the win got them an extra point. A, a point love for Philly. Um, but these two teams, and we were so, you know, everybody was so up in arms. Well, you know, the Trailblazers, one game is the difference between home field, home court between the Trailblazers and Pelicans 
And that could be the whole difference in the stories that in, in the series. And you know what? It, it's meant nothing because the Trailblazers lost their first two games at home. They lost to the Pelicans. They're seven-point dogs today to keep their season alive. This season, if you ask me, their season's going to end tonight game, in yeah. New Orleans. Game three was a three-and-a-half-point spread. They doubled that for tonight's game, game four. Yeah, I think that they've realized that uh, you're going out 3 nothing, and you're the Trailblazers on the road, and New Orleans has a chance to close you out, which – New Orleans Pelican fans have never really had that opportunity to close out a season. Hey, listen, the Smoothie King Center has been rocking. Well, Hashtag do it bigger. But, but that's one <laughs> of the things, though. You know, when you get a team like that that's never done it before, the fans do get that much more crazy. Trust me, as an Islander fan, I know. First, we got way too excited for a first-round win. When you haven't seen that in your lifetime as, you know, as a fan of a team, those are some of the things that you have to get through and, and that you get more excited about than maybe – you know, Cleveland would be if it was, you know, the LeBrons against the Pacers. Right, right. I guess because they're expected to win. Uh, listen, New Orleans, um, it's going to be interesting uh, how it goes round two. I mean, naturally, it, it sucks because of how dominant the Warriors and the Rockets are. But, uh, listen, Pelicans are a good team, especially with the guard play they're getting out of Holiday and Rondo. Anthony Davis, he's my front-runner pick for MVP next year. And Rockets and Timberwolves later, uh, six points, Mike. You'd like to talk about the spread. Rockets, six-point dogs. I'm sorry, six-point favorites on the road at uh, Minnesota. Uh, this will be Minnesota's one chance to get a win in the series, if you ask me. If they lose tonight, they're not winning game four at home. Um, I think Houston is going to run away with this, honestly. I think that this is all Houston tonight. So do I. I don't think the T-Wolves have showed their best game yet. I don't think they've had a complete game. Carl Anthony Towns has been a ghost this series. But uh, you know what? The Rockets haven't played their best game either. They've had James Harden play bad games, and they still won. They had Chris Paul only get, like, 12 points and not get a double-double, and they still won. This team is too good. The Rockets have been the team all year. They're going to sweep the T-Wolves on the road. Uh, I agree with everything you both said. I actually like the Rockets tonight, and I think they cover the six, no problem. And then we got the Jazz and Thunder tonight, maybe the most interesting uh, Western Conference. It'll be uh, a great game, Rob. Yeah, it, we, we talked about it. We saw the Jazz. We talked about their defense. They gave up 116 points in game one. They come back in game two, winning the game in Oklahoma City. Donovan Mitchell still being the man. Uh, Rudy Gobert's playing good. And then, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook, he's out there averaging his triple-doubles. But you know what? When you're Russell Westbrook and that Thunder team, you kind of get disappointed when they can't win their first two games at home. And that didn't happen. And now the Jazz have a chance to take control tonight. And not too funny, Carmelo Anthony missing all his shots at the end of game two. He just <laughs> could not buy a bucket. In fact, none of the big three could <clears throat> buy a bucket because they were all scoreless in the fourth quarter of game two. Now the Jazz are home. This place is going to be rocking. Hashtag take notes. The Jazz are going to win tonight. This is a lock. I'm telling you right now. This is a team that does not get enough love. They're a great home team. They have very underrated players just because they don't have a standout superstar. Uh, Mitchell is great. Rubio is a, a perfect fit for this offense. Goubert is an underrated center. And even Inglis, my boy, and Jay Crowder with his defense. This is a good Jazz team, and they're going to beat the Thunder tonight. Um, and then you saw this note. Um, Donovan Mitchell has 55 points in his first two playoff games. That's more than Michael Jordan, uh, who had 53. Uh, for most by a rookie guard in the last 50 seasons. Reported by Adam Schefter, of all people. Right. It's, it's, <laughs> he's crossing over the week before the NFL draft. You would think that Schefter would have more important research to be doing. But still, uh, you know, a good note about, you know, we've talked about Mitchell and what he's done, and uh, he's continued to do it for them. And on a team that's bereft of scoring against a team that does have so many options to score, Mitchell might be the most important player. All season long, he's been that guy. When they need a bucket, he's delivered for them. And Mike, who passed up on him? <laughs> uh, I just know. I know that's what you like to go to. So, it's infuriating. Uh, but we got French Frank. Don't worry. Yeah, it's great. Anyway, so that's the action today. Four NBA playoff games today. Tomorrow, uh, um, the, the Warriors will probably uh, take out the Spurs. Uh, we had the other night when uh, um, what's his face is uh, Popovich's wife passed away. 
And on the court, they asked LeBron James about it after the game. I thought that was one of the most weird interviews I've ever seen. Uh, definitely a weird spot to put him in. It definitely was. Uh, I tweeted about it from the show's account. But just to give – I don't know her name. Just to give her credit, she did mention to LeBron, do you mind if I ask you this during the interview? So, um, you know, nice job by her to at least give him the heads up. He kind of played it up that he had no idea she was going to ask him. And, and uh, you know, was even almost starting to cry on the court. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it's the right time or not to ask him that on the court. You know, there's always the post-game press conferences. But he did have a heads up which uh, I don't know if everyone uh, actually knew that. And Popovich is very well respected by the players. He always uh, has the back of the players. He's very uh, vocal about uh, supporting them. And obviously it's a terrible thing that happened. But why is LeBron getting interviewed about it when he's not even facing the Spurs? Like, he, he has nothing to do with the San Antonio Spurs. He's not a former Spurs. Just because he's the face of the league. Like, this is a coach's wife. Why is LeBron getting brought into this? It's just a stupid question. And if you want to ask him about it later, but you don't do it right after a playoff game. I agree with It was you. just the timing of it was so weird. I mean, there's, there's a time and a place. He shouldn't have been brought up to anybody except the San Antonio Spurs. Maybe someone on the Warriors just because they're facing He just shouldn't have played it up as though he was just finding out. If you watch the interview, he it's like he's just being told for the first time. She's like, oh my God, wow! Yeah, I, you didn't know that was going to get leaked. That we're going to find yeah, out. Yeah, come on! Was, of course, just yeah. absolutely ridiculous. He is the biggest bitch in sports. <laughs> um, moving on, uh, guys. I, I know, Mike. I'm sure you remember. Uh, you probably re- you probably remember from a betting standpoint. You remember a couple of years ago, uh, the Ottawa Senators. They had this big run at the end of the season to make the playoffs behind the Hamburglar. You remember that? Andrew Hammond, Andrew the goalie, Hammond. came out of nowhere. Yep. Went like. 100 and no to get the playoffs. He played in goal last night for the Avalanche, and they went into Nashville and had a one. Uh, they had a one goal deficit late in the third period. He came back, kept their season alive. It's now a three-two series in the NHL's uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. Forty-four saves for the Hamburger last night, back into relevance. Um, and now the Avalanche have a chance to force a game seven at home uh, in Colorado. Yeah, I was on the Predators, too. I was all over this game. Um, the betting was absolutely crazy. They Nashville was minus three-something, um, you know, before the game. They had the lead. They had a lead with 10 minutes left. They gave up two goals. It's unacceptable. And you're right, Rob. Now it goes to a game seven. And game sevens, I am a firm believer anything can happen. It's just the game seven atmosphere and, uh, you know, a who wants it more type thing. Talent has something to do with it, but it's more of that uh, anything literally can happen. Listen, these avalanche are a good team. They've actually rolled with the Predators pretty well. A, they took two games from them. B, they took one on the damn road from Nashville, and they were minus 300 favorites, like you mentioned. And honestly, they didn't fall apart against Nashville in their losses until like late in the third period. Yep. So the Avalanche has been really right there with the Predators, and you got to tip your cap to them. I had no idea they were going to win a game in Nashville, and that's making this a series because they're going back to Colorado down 3-2. You still got to like Nashville's chances as just a more dominant team but um, you got to just respect what the Avalanche are doing right now. Oh, facing elimination last night. They scored two goals in the final four minutes and 11 seconds. Gabriel Landeskog, uh, the captain over there, and then Sven Adrighetto, a minute 28 seconds left, comes up uh, with the game-winning goal. 19 shots on goal in the third period by Nashville. 18 saves for the uh, Hamburglar, and uh, he robbed them. So, so that's a good series to keep uh, keep an eye on. I know when they get to uh, Colorado, that place is going to be absolutely jumping. The game's tomorrow night at 7 o'clock p.m., so it's a primetime Sunday night game for the Avalanche as them and their fans try to ride that momentum and force a game seven in Nashville, which is an awesome atmosphere to begin with. A realistic Avalanche fan definitely didn't think they would be getting tickets for a game six game. No shot. You have to imagine that, right? So good for them. 
Yeah, so uh, also last night, um, Philadelphia also the surprise of the night. Uh, going into Pittsburgh, they were getting outclassed. Pittsburgh scores, uh, you know, a couple goals in a short time in the second period to take the lead, and they really were all over them. And then Philly gets a shorthanded goal and kind of turned the tie. They get a Couturier goal and an empty netter. Don't forget, Couturier missed the game the other day Gudis. because Radko Gudis inadvertently hit him in practice. But Gudis is such a dirtbag that who knows if it was inadvertent or not. Uh, but Philly gets the win. They keep that series alive. Also winning on the road tonight, another big underdog, Mike. I was all over Pittsburgh, too. I had a, an awful night of betting. Um, I thought they were going to get the job done, and, and they didn't. And like you said, it was just back and forth. Um, this is another one you have to win, Rob. I, I don't want to go to Game 7, especially uh, you know a, a team like that where there is such a rivalry. I'd be very concerned if I was Pittsburgh. Yeah, in-state rivalry game. I was all over Pittsburgh to get it done at home. They did not. Um, the NHL playoffs have been quite unpredictable, you must say. I mean, um, I didn't have a lot of things happening the way they did, especially with the two sweeps, uh, in particular the, the night sweep in the Kings is obviously a huge deal. But, I mean, the Penguins, you, you expect with their the leadership and the players that they have that they were going to get it done at home. And now they got to go to the Flyers. That environment's going to be crazy, too. This is going to go down to seven, and I thought the Penguins were going to have a breeze with this team. But I guess I underestimated the in-state rivalry. I thought they were too, and don't forget the three wins by the Penguins are all blowouts. So it's not like there has even. And I told you guys, and I was wrong when I said there's going to be that overtime game in Philly where they finally play their close game. Well, no, five one and five nothing. The Penguins have scored ten to one in Philly, and Philly somehow comes back and wins their uh, second game of the series in Pittsburgh. They've now won two out of three games in Pittsburgh. And the other thing about that game, and you put it together with Andrew Hammond, is Michael Neubert was the goalie last night yeah. for the Flyers. So backup goalies. Facing elimination, go 2-0 last night uh, when you talk about uh, Philadelphia and Colorado. Um, so you wonder what's going to happen there. I guess Norbert's going to have to get the start. Um, that's tomorrow at 3 in the afternoon is that game six uh, in Philadelphia where the city of Philadelphia tries to keep their awesome sports streak, which makes me disgustingly sick. Yeah, I don't, I don't like what's going on in Philadelphia, the magic they're having lately. What do you think the line is on Penguins Flyers game six? I would say Pittsburgh's minus uh, – yeah, I would have said 130, 140. Minus 160. I think that's a lot for a road team. Well, when six. you consider the stat I just gave out, I'm sure that has something to do with it. I'm uh, sure it does. 5 nothing and 5-1, the two wins for them in Philadelphia in the series so far. So they've outscored them 10-1, to 1, which is almost unheard of for a home, home ice team, a team on home ice in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, also in that game, Pittsburgh 0-5 for 5 in the power play, Mike. Uh, and Philadelphia scored a shorthanded goal. That's the difference in the game. I think they get it done tomorrow. I will say that. I'm more confident in them getting it done than I would be with uh, Nashville. On the road? Yes. I agree with that. Um, I like Colorado at home a lot more than I like Philly at home tomorrow. Okay. I agree with that. Uh, and then the Jets, I mean, 5 nothing. They scored four goals in the first 11:59 last night. Absolutely blitzed the Minnesota Wild, who they, they just had no chance. And uh, – now they're going home again. Another uh, another disappointing playoff um, season for Minnesota, but it's the Jets getting the shutout again from Hellebuck, and they are now moving on to the second round. It's kind of crazy. The whole Connor Hellebuck story, how uh, they've just found gold in this kid, first of all. And this, out of the night last night, out of the matchups, this was the one that gave me the most concern. I figured, uh, you know, Minnesota with Eric Stoll and just like a, a veteran presence, Rob, maybe they get another win, they don't go home, but uh, – I couldn't have been more wrong. They absolutely dominated, like you said. And, and Winnipeg at home, we talked about they had the best record at home during the regular season. And uh, I don't know why I overlooked them. And I don't know if anybody else is overlooking them, but I think it's time to stop. You, uh, 
Until the Jets lose a game at home, you got to take them seriously. You, you're not beating them unless um, you don't, unless you have home ice advantage, I should say, because they are the real deal at home. They uh, they had the best home ice all season long, and they they're showing it. They're not just winning at home; they're dominating at home. And not only that, um, but you have to start now auto betting them and the Golden Knights at home. They are just two teams that can't be beaten at home. Uh, I'm sure they'll get upset, picked off here or there, but they're going to win the majority of their home games. And if you could see them playing in the Western Conference Finals, if they both do, in fact, move on, um, which I don't think that the Jets are going to move on if they face the Nashville Predators. But um, that would just be such a great series full of home ice, the two best home ice teams in hockey. So that's hard to be an auto bet, um, if you ask me, because the Jets fans are insane up there, and they've waited for a long time for this. Brian Little uh, said he didn't know what to do in the handshake line because he's never been in one. So you get guys like that that have, you know, spent their whole careers waiting for a moment like that uh, and certainly Winnipeg and its fans in the whiteout, which is the coolest thing going yeah. on in hockey right now, uh, maybe up there with the Vegas story um, is the whiteout there. And uh, uh, props to ESPN, by the way. Did you see their tweet last night? No. Did you see their tweet congratulating the Winnipeg Jets last night? I did not. Well, good. maybe if you could find it. Well, the, the, that's the funny thing is that it's them covering hockey but is it really covering hockey? Because if you look at their tweet, congratulating the Jets, what do we notice? The Jets are moving on to the next round after being in the wild in the 4-1 series. What is that series moving on? It's the Golden Knights picture. It's a Golden Knights picture on the Winnipeg Jets ESPN Sports Center account. Congratulating the, congratulating the Jets. They show a picture of the Golden Knights. That is ESPN's futile attempt to act like they give a damn about hockey. What a joke. ESPN Sports Center. I'm sorry, this is your job, but what are they? They're the stupid idiots stupid of the week. Idiot. You are awarded the stupid idiot of the week. <laughs> it's crazy how there's an NHL playoffs going on, and and honestly, like you guys know, I'm not the biggest hockey fan in the world, but I really get into the playoffs. The playoffs are amazing. You can't beat playoff hockey. And the fact that they, they don't air the playoff highlights until like 40 minutes into their show because they have to cover <laughs> LeBron James for the first half hour is insane. Well, they got to show LeBron's highlights. Then LeBron James soundbite. Then they got. Then they got to go to the panel that discusses LeBron. Then the panel that discusses and dissects his soundbite. Then they go to commercial and then show LeBron's dunk of the night. (laughs) Then they show the two other NBA games. Then they show three commercials with him. Then they show (laughs) Bayern Hanover. Then they remind you that LeBron played tonight. And then, oh by the way, basically in their uh, final minute, their uh, final thoughts. Oh by the way, Winnipeg Jets won a nine overtime game in the Stanley Cup playoffs, the longest game in history. You know, and they would still bury that game. And by the way, if LeBron gets eliminated, they're not going to stop talking about him. They're going to be talking about where he plays. No, he's going to be. He's going to still be the storyline of the play. It will be awful. He's going to. They're going to be dissecting his golf game. What he shot on the course, how he compares to Tiger Woods, if he can be on the PGA Tour. Wait, he might post a workout video, guys. (laughs) Social media Uh, might come back. Where's he going? Where's he going next? He's going to Houston. I'm telling you. And a couple games to uh, preview. Maybe you guys have some picks. Maybe you don't. So, Mike, you were talking about some pretty big spreads today in the NHL. Yeah, um, I was surprised. Tampa was minus 250. Uh, I do think that they win, but I'm more confident in the other game tonight. I like the Bruins a hell of a lot more. That spread is only 160, I think uh, I said before we went on. And that's a little concerning to me because I think the Bruins, besides the one loss, have really dominated the series. Yeah, um, I like Austin Matthews too much for the Leafs. I've been avoiding that series. But, I mean, the Bruins seem to be the real deal, Mike. I can get you those spreads, actually, Rob. Um, yeah, give us the exact ones. I'm not so sure that I would go off to any lines on ESPN when they don't know the difference between the Golden Knights, who haven't played in three nights, 
and the Winnipeg Jets, who played last night, and they could have just gotten that picture. An unbettable series, though, has been the Blue Jackets Capitals, as everyone's won on the road in that series. And oh, we, we talked about that it. before you got here, though. You know, it was what we were saying. You you uh, weren't here yet, but Mike and I said, I said, it's the one series, no matter what, you can't bet it. And if you have Washington's minus 150 on a series that the road team's 4-0 and there's three overtime games, stay away. They are 2-0 since Ovechkin guaranteed the series win, though. Is that correct? On the road, though. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, I believe he didn't guarantee it, though, until after they won game three. Okay. So I believe, right. So he let them get the win, then he guaranteed it. It's that's a bullshit kind of guarantee. A, that's a BS LeBron-type puss move. Right? Once you did it on the road, they had to win on the road. That's no Mark Messier guarantee. We'll and leave it like that. that. Three of these four games went to OT, too. So this series has been crazy. And Tortorello's press conference after game four was amazing. He's, he, well, his press conferences <laughs> in general are always phenomenal. Mike, you said you had the lines, though. So what are they? Uh, Devils a plus Tampa, minus 250. Give it one and a half, it's plus 110. Toronto plus 160. Boston is minus 190. Boston giving one and a half is plus 155. And then Columbus and Washington. Columbus is plus 145. And Washington is minus 165 at home, which I do not understand one bit. Um, I don't either. I mean, if I was in Vegas, I'd end up betting it anyway because it's just me. I would probably actually bet the uh, Blue Jackets uh, puck line. That's the way that this series is going. Every, you go against everything that your heart thinks is going to happen. And see them go out and win that three to one or four to two game somehow, but uh, don't bet it, guys. It's just uh, only idiots like me would bet it. Uh, but uh, what's your guys' favorite play here in the NHL today? It, it's so hard. Uh, it I mean, is. Mike would know better. Maybe a better reasonable play, not like lightning money line. No, I think the Bruins at minus one ninety. Uh, it'll probably I think it's going to go off eventually um, when the Sharps get on at the end there. But I like the Bruins a lot at home to get this done. Does the over under being? Uh, I don't know how true this is. This is a Yahoo Sports. It's probably five and a half, but they have, yeah, five and a half. Five and a half is the uh, Capitals Blue Jackets. Do you think that's an easy over? No, not no. I don't think there's ever an easy over in the playoffs. Not in the, not in the two two. Most of the overs have been hitting though, as you. Well, I've been I, I've been watching and I've been all over and all the overs have. I just don't want to say easy over uh, in the game that you know three two absolutely kills you. They don't get the empty net or the the two two overtime game in a series that's been so tightly contested. There've been a lot of goals in this playoff series. Um, I like the over in every game because the over is hitting more than 55%. And the empty nets are and catching you, it and at you an get, all-time high rate. And you true. get that. And you get the guaranteed goal if it goes to over. You get to 2-2 or, you know, 3-3 or whatever. You know, 3-2, you're going to get it with the empty net chance. So um, I would bet the over in every game. Um, a bet that I would probably mess around with, maybe a minimum bet, is uh, in a game like – in a day like today where – the Lightning and Bruins are such big favorites, and Mike and I are really so high on them for winning. I would do all three game puck line parlay. Try to make some money out of it, even if it's a minimum bet. I don't know what, what you're saying about 50 bucks, yeah. 50 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever it is. A minimum bet's going to make you pay out big. I mean, there's other bets that you can have that can kind of cover that too. But that would be your big point. Or you throw one of them with the Jazz. Vinny said the Jazz a lot tonight. I like the Jazz a lot at home, boys. I really do. Uh, I'm going with the Lightning. I'm going to go with the Bolts puck line tonight. I think they handled the Devils today. Wow. I think they sweep them right out of the, uh, out of the building. I, I like that. I, I like I like uh, Tampa Bay to get, like, you know, the two or three goal first period and the they never look back type of game. I think that's only a game that the Devils score first, honestly. I think that's a, that's a big goal if they score first. And if they don't, I think Tampa Bay absolutely blows them out. Um, I also think that the Devils gave them everything they had in their two home games and really had a chance to win both of those games and uh, weren't able to do it. Uh, the crowd in, in New Jersey was pretty good and pretty hot. They were all wearing red for the Devils, but uh, they did end up losing game four, and that was the, that was the difference. And Tampa Bay right now, I think it's ugly. Because they're gonna be Frank tonight. Fleming was very, very passionate about the Devils. Does that guy get two seats for the size of him? What about, what about Putty? 
from Seinfeld. Oh, that was hilarious. He was wearing, he was there wearing the uh, the the devil that was uh, face paint, hilarious. and he had the D painted on his chest with Patrick Warburton. <laughs> that was great. So we'll see today uh, who goes home and onto the golf course. Will it be the Devils golfing tomorrow? Will it be the Maple Leafs? Mike and I, Vinny too, think so. And speaking of golf, um, Joanna Cespedes last night after the game blamed his struggles this season on not playing golf. Did you hear this, Mike? I haven't yet, but um, I don't doubt you. And if that's true, he's an idiot. Isn't that the usual complaint about Cespedes that he golfs too much? Well, he, and he gave it up this year. And then all of a sudden, last night, he uh, starts the game 0 for 4, four strikeouts. And hit the ground ball to second base in uh, the 12th inning. But the Braves had the shift on against the righty. So the ground ball to second base ended up being a game-winning hit. So he had the game-winning hit. Um, but then he said after the game that uh, not playing golf has affected him on the baseball field. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. I really do. <laughs> um, bigger concern. Um, and I know that Matt Harvey's the bigger name. But Matt Harvey for the Mets. Or Sonny Gray for the Yankees. Oh, I think Sonny Gray is a big concern. Because the Mets can deal. Uh, there's life without Matt Harvey. Vargas will be back. And. Everyone can laugh about Jason Vargas, but the guy won 17 games last year. He can be an easily your number five starter. He's still a gazelleman. You still have Lugo. Um, I don't know if Chance Adams or Sheffield are ready for the Yankees. So, uh, you know, you take that for what it's worth. But I think when you traded for Sonny Gray, you were expecting a hell of a lot better than what you've got. Sonny Gray is a free agent after this year. He's definitely sucked. The thing about Sonny Gray is he doesn't throw hard enough, so he doesn't throw strikes. So when people aren't swinging at his uh, balls, he's putting runners on, and then he's giving up the big hit. Matt Harvey was once an elite pitcher, um, and now he is absolute crap. He sucks so much. He is actually comical to watch. His batting average is 333, and his ERA is like six. <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. Um, he doesn't want to go to the bullpen either. I think Matt's really got to consider that uh, his business as a starting pitcher might be over. Just because you're young doesn't mean you're you're still a starting pitcher. You, you're not good. You're not the same guy you once used to be. Just because you, you could hit your uh, high 90s in the sixth inning doesn't mean crap, Matt. And, and Callaway and, and Island have both uh, talked to him about going to the bullpen, and he was so defiant about it. But Mickey Callaway brings a pretty good point. He's turned uh, Carlos Carrasco from a bullpen guy into a, a frontline starter. He's had success with Trevor Bauer, who was a top prospect at Arizona, came here uh, to Cleveland, couldn't throw a strike to save his life, went to the bullpen, and now he's developed into a, uh, a serviceable starter, let's call it like that, you know, better than average starter. Um, and Dave Island did it with Danny Duffy. Uh, as a bullpen, Duffy was a lefty guy, and, and now he's a starter in Kansas City. Not having a great year this year, but last year was pretty good. So both of these guys have had a track record where they've done it with guys that um, they are struggling as starters. They send them to the bullpen, bring up their confidence, and then you know develop them back into a starter. So I think Harvey, if he doesn't do it, he's an idiot, and I think he's selfish. But these guys are saying they can do it, and they have the history that, to show that they can. And as for Pickles, I'm going to hope this cold weather has something to do with it. I know he's pitched in Toronto a couple times, but listen, Sonny Gray has not been good, and uh, he's definitely a problem. But the Yankees, they, they got a couple of gems in the minor league, so who knows when we see either uh, Sheffield or Chance Adams. Uh, did you have a, a lot of people had a problem with Matt Harvey saying, I am a starter. Look what I did. I got through the sixth inning. I pitched through six innings. Um, did you have a problem with that? Uh, I really didn't. Uh, it is what it is with Harvey. He wants to be a starter, and you always want your pitcher to, to battle and to fight. So uh, I, I really didn't have an issue with that whatsoever. All right, uh, Goon's telling us we got somebody uh, on hold on the line. So uh, welcome to Over the Top Sports Radio. Oh, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, this is your uh, friendly neighborhood podcaster, uh, Lou speaking. Hey, how are you? What's up, Lou? All right. Heard about the show, but I haven't had really a chance to call. I know you. I know you've been on. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks so, for calling uh, today. What's on your mind? 
Well, um, you know, with what's been going on with Stan, I mean, I know that um, the changes coming that got uh, dropped slightly in the lineup from third to fourth, but um, I don't really think it should be a big concern. I mean, everybody's, you know, harping on, on the Yankees right now, like, oh, they're not doing what they should have been doing right now, and everybody's up in arms about the team's performance right now. But, um, you know, I say there's no need to panic right now. I mean, I'm not one of those bandwagon um, fans like, you know, oh, one minute we're fine, next one like, oh, get out of here, you're, you're no good. I mean, but uh, what do you think the, um, the Yankees situation right now? And um, should they be worried that Stan uh, dropped a little bit in the lineup? No, I think the drop helped him. He's actually swinging a little better. Even when he's getting out, he's putting together better at bat. He's not striking out three times every single time he's at bat. I do think I, I hate the excuse of the cold weather, but obviously with Stan, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think as yeah, he gets hotter, that's the other thing that I think about. See, because uh, the Mets also uh, play in cold weather, and yet it's not affecting them. So I don't know if we can just blame that on that alone. I mean, how could one team uh, in New York? do, do uh, mediocre in cold weather, but another team across town um, is doing well. That's fair. That? That's fair. I mean, um, you can't really play. I don't like the cold weather excuse. I'm just trying to give Stanton the benefit of that. that I mean, that doesn't change that the Yankees have the most average in baseball. You know, that, that doesn't do with the weather. They got, they're playing sloppy baseball right now. They're playing 500. And what sucks is the Red Sox are just dominating everybody they play right yeah, now. Yeah, don't go there. As a diehard yeah, but, Yankee fan since 1973, uh, you should uh, you would know that whenever we think of how the Red Sox are doing well, we just want to throw up. This is better than the '86 lineup. Yeah, and they made they got that JD Martinez move that we all knew they were going to end up making, and once they got it, it seemed to just put the piece of the puzzle together. But it's still just 19 games into the season. Uh, you don't want to peak too early. They're getting up to a big lead. No, of course Seven not. Seven game lead on the Yankees in And as sometimes the saying goes, sometimes it gets late early. Case in point with uh, the Reds, who have had a t- have had a tumultuous wrecking ball of a season so far. Well, you know, and, um, the thing about that is, you know, the saying is, is you can't win a division in April, but you sure as hell can lose a division no. in April. Um, right, especially teams like three and eighteen. Well, yeah, you're the Reds. I mean, you're clearly done for the year at three and sixteen. If you're the Royals and with four and fourteen, or the White Sox with four and twelve, the same goes for that. Even the uh, Orioles at six and fourteen, Tampa six wins, but right. that's okay. Uh, the Yankees just need to tread water right now, get these guys hot. Um, thank you so much for the call, Lou. And we're on every just Saturday morning question, and Monday. Just one question right, before so. I go. One question sure. regarding the Reds. Now, the the uh, manager they just fired went through four and a half years of even below mediocrity, it didn't even give him a winning season. Why would you keep some money for that long? You should have been gone long ago. I think they were just giving him the benefit of the doubt. They do have some young talent down there. Uh, you know, Castillo, the pitcher, Senzo, we're waiting for him. God knows if he's ever coming up, who knows? But um, I think they've just been giving him the benefit of the doubt there and, and hoping and knowing that the, the talent they have on the major league roster right now isn't the best, but they do have a promising young farm and, and, you know, maybe they liked him and felt that he'd be able to develop these players, but uh, the start that they came off to was just unacceptable. They have more problems than just the coach. Exactly. And the city of Cincinnati is known for holding on to coaches way too long, like, you know, Marvin Lewis. So <laughs> no, oh, nobody in Cincinnati is going to get There's an answer right there. <laughs> anyway, anyway, right, thanks for the call. Uh, move on. we got another guest scheduled, but uh, thanks for listening. We hope to hear from you next time. You will soon.
Thank you. So, uh, Lou making a couple good points, but real quick, just uh, I was starting to ask you guys about uh, Matt Harvey's comments um, when he said I'm a starter, and he said it was because of uh, that. Mike, you didn't think you didn't think it was that big of a deal. I, I, mean, I, I was no a little distracted by your answer because I know we had a. No, I had no issue with it whatsoever. I really didn't. Uh, you know, you always want the pitcher to have that battle and that fight. I had no issue with it whatsoever. I'd be a lot more concerned if he said, "I don't know if I could do it anymore," and you could see that now he doesn't believe in himself. If you don't believe in yourself, who else is gonna? Exactly. And you've got him. Matt is also a uh, me guy, and he thinks he's a starting pitcher, so he's gonna, you know. Matt Harvey. Yeah. He's, he's, he's all about himself, so he's not going to be like, oh, I'm cool with going to the bullpen for the benefit of the team. No, I'm a starting pitcher, and that's that's my job. No matter how much I suck, I'm a starting pitcher. Listen, if he doesn't go to the bullpen, he's not going to the minors. He could be DFA'd and traded. It wouldn't shock me either. So I think for him, it's either going to be bullpen or gone. The dark uh, night. He, he, he doesn't have any options, so you're right. I mean, he can't go to the minor leagues and find his game. Right. And he I don't think he's going to find his game. He doesn't. You talked about Sonny Gray's velocity. Well, Matt Harvey, once he lost his velocity, he's been nothing. Listen, you gotta, he hasn't learned how to pitch. When you're a power pitcher, you don't have the power anymore. you got to figure out a new way to command yourself. Look at Cesar Sabathia. He had a great year last year. Obviously, he doesn't throw as hard as he used to. Now, the one problem I do have about what Matt Harvey said was how he said he's a starting pitcher because he got through the sixth inning. Well, you didn't give your team a chance yeah, to win. Yeah, six innings, six runs. You gave six runs, and your team was losing six nothing. Great accomplishment, Matt. So, getting those couple <laughs> outs at that point, you know, to get through six. Uh, I'm glad that in April that you worried about, you know, keeping the bullpen yeah, a little bit that's fresh. that's fantastic. That's not your job, Matt. Yeah. So, that was the one. Six uh, innings, six runs, six ERA. Matt, you're, you're on there, pal. So, uh, the Mets uh, get Jacob DeGrom tonight. That's a nice thing when you have uh, Ben Harvey. They get to go Syndergaard last night and DeGrom tonight uh, in a big series against the Braves. Mets on this big road trip. Uh, they started off with that Harvey game. They came back with an extra inning win yesterday. Now they get to ground today to salvage at least a split of the series, maybe even a chance to win it. Yeah, and this is one of the best divisions in baseball. You could argue the NL West or the, the NL East, and I'll, I'll give you that. But uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, guys, 10 games in a row with Philly starters giving three runs or less. Everybody was making a joke about Gabe Kapler. We did, you know, managing every game like it's game seven. But he's done a hell of a job here. And I don't know what you have there. They've won two in a row. They're, what, eight and two in their last 10. So uh, Washington's in fourth right now in the division. This division is going to be great to watch in the summer. Yeah, the Phillies are killing it at uh, Citizens Bank Park, but I mean they also haven't really faced anybody all that great. No offense, Rob. I well, feel like they, I feel like they you know what, the Braves though? all season long. You could say no offense to the Braves, but the Braves beat them in both series. Games. So yeah. it's not like they've patented up their record on the Braves. Why would I take offense? We're the only team that's beaten them in the series. I just, I just feel like they played the Braves like yeah, like at least we played them again this game. week. Yeah, that, we I, have played nine games against the Phillies in April, which is an absolute shame. Speaking of your Braves, by the way, they're playing the Mets today. That's an easy under with my boy Julio Tehran on the hill against Jacob DeGrom. So I bet the under of eight and a half. A little plug bet there for you. You got but, the extra um, half run because I don't think, night you didn't get that extra half run. Let's, let's look at the Phillies, uh, who they played. I, I don't think they played anybody all that great for us to be jumping on them just yet. We'll go through the schedule right now, but they're doing what you have to do. I mean, they played uh, the Mets. Actually, they lost the series to the Mets, too. So they lost to the Braves on the Mets to start the season. And then they got Miami, there Cincinnati, go. Tampa Bay. <laughs> Uh, you know, I can only I can't wait for the Braves to go through a Miami, Cincinnati, Tampa Bay streak where we can really fatten up That's your record. Nine straight games of basketball. What are the games you're expected to? I'm not wrong with that. No, um, uh, that's what you're supposed to do. That's how you win in baseball, exactly. right? That's what the Yankees did in the '90s. They beat up on the Tampa Bay Double Rays at the time. Uh, they beat them 16 times in the season. They beat another bad team, and then uh, the rest of the games they go 500, and it's a 95-1 season, and all to the World Series. So that's what you got to do. But uh, against the Mets and the Braves, they have um, those are their division rivals that they will be competing with this year. They have lost each of those three series. Uh, they lost 
The two games to the Mets, one was a rainout, and they lost four out of six to the Braves so far. Two wins against Pittsburgh is impressive. And they won a game 20 to 1. Yeah, that means nothing. That's one lucky game. That just against Miami, too. Hey, Are you just, kidding me? It looks funny to see it when you go through their schedule. They lost a 15-2 game and then won the 20 to 1. The two game wins against Pittsburgh, who was off to a good start. That's impressive. So uh, keep an eye on them. Uh, last night, Scherzer versus Kershaw. Uh, we talk about the late games with Shohei Otani and all the Angel stuff and how good they are. But Scherzer, Kershaw, um, over-under was six. And I told our, our buddy Aram that I love the over in it. Uh, you have to think your bullpen's get involved, too. And every pitching matchup in April is not going to end up being what you think it is. It hits the over. Uh, did you see any of the game? I did not. All right. So Scherzer got the best of them. Sure, uh, Kershaw gave up a couple runs early and a 5-2 Washington win in, uh, in a big game for Max Scherzer. And listen, that was a, a, a great matchup between the two. You can argue who's the, the better pitcher in the NL. They can always be the, the top two for Cy Young, uh, unless one of the Mets starters ever remains healthy for a, a season, which is never likely. Um, it was a great matchup. It definitely was. But uh, I agree with you, Rob. And I said in the chat also, I, I that had overwritten all over it. I can never be confident in an over. I guess uh, I get the logic, and obviously it turned out to be the way. But um you know, with the two aces on a hill like that, I, I can't get over that uh, Clayton Kershaw has three losses already on the year. It's pretty wild. And Max Scherzer, he, I mean, these guys have won the uh, Cy Young, what, uh, for the last five years, these two? Clearly the two best pitchers in the National League, and um, that was a playoff at, uh, matchup. And the Dodgers just don't look like they are all that great this year. And they're, you know, leaps and bounds better than all the other pitchers in the National League, if you ask me. I mean, he has three losses with a 245 ERA, so maybe it's just one of those streaks where he's just not getting the run support. Uh, clearly, that was the case yesterday. They didn't score in the first five innings. Um, it, it happens. He lost the one nothing game on opening night against San Francisco, right? So, uh, sometimes the record doesn't mean everything, but I still think more often than not, it, it does mean a lot in baseball. Look at Scherzer. Four and one with a 136 ERA. Yeah, and I'm just seeing this uh, on our Twitter. It's coming over. White Sox reliever Danny uh, Farukar passed out in the dugout last Farukar. night. Farukar? Yeah, was taken to the hospital. So. At least he didn't pass out in his Uber. <laughs> <laughs> When you pass out in the dugout, the cops don't get involved. But when you pass out in an Uber, and then your uh, your front door gets banged on by cops at 2:45 in the morning. Uh, special. So, was he uh, responded this morning, or was he? He was. He regained world? consciousness on the way to the hospital. I, I was talking about horsey. Uh, <laughs> I did not see him, but he's lucky he didn't get a big fat smack last night. Um, Mike, uh, you got a bunch of fantasy guys uh, out there. Uh, Eleven twenty over the top sports radio Saturday morning. Big, big Mike, Robbie D, Vinny the Shark here with you for another forty minutes until twelve o'clock. Might have a guest coming on, working on it now. If not, it's okay. We'll hit you with all the baseball talk, and we got NFL draft coming up. So uh, yeah, Mike, I just messaged uh, Santino Morella again. So uh, hopefully that will work out. As far as baseball goes, Rob, um, we mentioned the Phillies. Uh, Ivan Nova, three quality starts in a row now. Uh, he's only 26% owned. Uh, you know eventually later on in the summer, towards the end of the year, he's going to break oh, down. But for God. now, he's probably serviceable. Francisco Lariano, 12% owned. He's got a 2.55 ERA, a 1.13 whiff right now. I would use him while he's former hot. Former streamer of the day. Former streamer. Both of them are, actually, former streamers of the day. Adubal Herrera, 60% owned. This guy batted 379 last week, 343 on the year. He's not hitting the home runs or the RBIs. But he, uh, he's red hot. He's getting a ton of hits. Uh, Tiascar Hernandez on the Jays is batting 379 RBIs in only 30 at-bats. This is the former top prospect of the Houston Astros. He was, uh, you know, somehow shipped over to the Jays. I forget the trade. But uh, definitely someone to keep an eye on because he's going to get playing time. Uh, they have nothing to play for, the Jays. And uh, he's young enough to see what you have there. 
Uh, Harlan Garcia, another former streamer of the day, uh, against the Mets, six perfect innings, I believe, or no-hit innings against the Yankees. Uh, he was also pretty good. Next up is the Dodgers. That offense does not scare me one goddamn bit. I will start him. Uh, look at him. He's 8% owned. Jed Lowry, who we've mentioned before, he's betting 372. He leads the majors with 32 hits, 22 RBIs. The guy is still out there in almost every league. I don't understand it. Second base eligible. Uh, Logan at night last night, Mike. Yeah, he did. And uh, he's facing Chris Sale today, who he has a 400 lifetime average against. So wow. somebody to look at maybe in DFS. Uh, Logan Morrison, guys, he had 38 home runs last year. He just hit his first last night. Good for Logan. He's batting 083 on the year. Quite the accomplishment. Um, Alex, <laughs> Alex Reyes, who I know everybody is uh, jumping for joy over. He's going out on a, uh, a uh, minor league uh, assignment. He's going to try and get uh, back, build up the arm strength. Um, very interesting, though, because at the beginning of the year, everybody thought he was going to be used as a reliever and then eventually a starter. Well, St. Louis has kind of changed their tide with that, saying that their bullpen is a crowded mess, and maybe he will be a starter. So if you have the DL spot and you have the room, pick him up, throw him on your DL. And then guys I'm dropping, just a couple. Uh, Dylan Betances, I am dropping this guy in every league imaginable. Well, if Chapman were to get hurt or lose the closing job, I don't think it's going to be Betances anyway. Uh, you don't need him for your holds. Get somebody else. Alex Cobb, you asked about him. I dropped him in your league. This guy sucks. He's in Baltimore. He's never going to have run support. Just a complete disaster. Willie Calhoun, who I actually picked over Otani to be the uh, AL Rookie of the Year, 22% owned. I don't get it. He uh, has been running his mouth in AAA that he didn't want to be there. He's not even hitting that well. He's not coming up anytime soon. And then Tyler O'Neill, who the Cardinals called up this week, he um, has a, a ton of power. He's a, a big guy, a lot of home runs, a lot of strikeouts. I just don't see where he's going to play with Ozuna, Fowler, Pham. It's an overcrowded outfield. Right now he's coming off as the bench, uh, a bat off the bench. I don't get it whatsoever. I'm dropping all four. Mike, you said that um, Toronto is going to be playing for nothing, but they are off to a good start. I mean, they're 13-6. and six. Um, You've seen them against the Yankees a couple of times, guys. Um, obviously, we don't see them being more than a, a 500 team at best by the end of the year. But at least right now, Teoscar Hernandez is doing it while producing for a team that's winning. I mean, he homered last night off the Yankees again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's something there with that kid. I think he's got decent power. I think he's somebody to keep an eye on, maybe a third or fourth outfielder. But I agree with you. By the end of this year, this will be a 500 team, probably below if I was betting. And listen, I know Vegas likes to sucker in the bigger market teams in terms of their spreads, but this Yankee Blue Jays spread, they're, the Yankees, I can't bet them because it's ridiculous what they were doing. The Yankees are, CC Sabathia was a minus 165 theory against Aaron Sanchez, a good pitcher. Marco Estrada was plus 180 last night against Sonny Gray. Why were the Yankees a 200 favorite with Sonny Gray pitching the way he's been pitching? And even today, Jordan Montgomery against Marcus Stroman, the Yankees are minus 160. I saw that. These guys, you can't bet them this series. They're playing 500 ball, and, and these are good value Blue Jay bets. If anything, take a Blue Jays. Marcus Stroman's a better pitcher than Jordan Montgomery. You'd have to say so. And that's not taking anything away from Montgomery. Stroman's just a good pitcher. Agreed. And he, he's plus value today. I don't know if the Blue Jays line is, but the Yankees are minus 160. Looking at that line, maybe – you don't. You can't bet the Yankees on it. No Gary no. Sanchez today. If you look at the lineup, it's Gardner, Judge, Gregorius, Stanton, Hicks in center field, Neil Walker at first base, and Duhar at third. Romine catching Torres. That's not the best Yankee lineup I love either. Torres, but listen, uh, Neil Walker sucked. Well, I mean, you want to talk about Torres, Tyler Wade, uh, and uh, and Walker. Where's Glaber Torres? He's passed the Super Two deadline. He's seven and a half games behind the Red Sox. Call this kid off I and eject the light. I think he's having some back spasms. He's back in the lineup. He's playing. Something uh, something with his back, I know. But uh, I, guess, I guess he's back in. Now, Let's they're not, go. They're not going to rush him back with that injury. They're being very cautious. Let's go. Giancarlo hitting. Uh, you will up. see him, Mike. For the fourth straight day, Giancarlo to clean up hitter. And I think that's what he belongs anyway. I don't know where else I would want him. 
Um, I think he's pressing. I really do. I do, and I do think there's something, actually, and I didn't bring it up to Lou, and he brought it up before, and then he talked about it, but when you talk about the cold weather, you know, he played his whole career in Miami. So you're playing in Miami. You don't have to deal with the day-in, day-out, you know, minutia of playing in 38, 42, 38 degrees, cold. He's got the guys, these guys are dressed up like they're going to combat. They got, you know, everything but their eyes are covered, and that's just not a comfortable feeling. You ever try to hit a baseball like back in like t-ball or middle school or high school, and, and it just hurts your hands because it's cold, it's rainy, it's windy, and it just hurts your hands unless you hit it on the sweet spot. Well, these guys are doing that against 95 mile an hour fastballs. They're doing it with with more b- stuff on their body than they're used to. The long sleeves, the 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 face covers. So I, I can understand the uncomfortability, and maybe that does you know one tenth of a second is everything in baseball for hitting a baseball. Oh, yeah. I do think I, that maybe with everything. Him, I, I'm not giving the Yankees the benefit of the doubt with the cold weather at eight and eight. They're not, I'm just talking about nine. him personally, yeah, not the Yankees. Jen is, is the only person I'm giving the benefit of the doubt with the cold weather. Other than that, it's not an excuse. And yeah, it sucks playing the cold, but listen, everybody's doing it. And it sucks because um, maybe not because um, he hasn't hit as many home runs as last year. He still has five, but Aaron Judge is having maybe a better start to the season than he did last year. And I wonder if due to Judge's good start and him succeeding at the two spot, if that I, I was saying to get Stanton going, maybe have Judge protect Stanton and bat him behind. But I think with Judge playing as well as he is right now, you don't want to touch anything with Aaron Judge. I wouldn't. He uh, 328 batting average, 464 on base percentage. You got DB behind him. Five and I like I like the lefty, righty, lefty, righty that you have with Gardner, Judge, Gregorius, Stanton. And Gregorius has showed you this year with how well he's been hitting the ball that he could be that number three hitter right there. That's where you thought maybe Greg Bird would have been slotted in between those guys, and instead it's Gregorius. Yeah, done a good job. Yeah, spot for sure. But, I mean, who would have ever thought Didier Gregorius would be the player that he is? Uh, well, you knew he was a good player. Yeah, you you did not know there. he would be a big hitter the way he Yeah, I mean, hitter. this guy, he, he after a brutal start, too, he was getting booed out the building because, obviously, he wasn't Derek Jeter, and that's what Yankee fans do, unfortunately. And uh, he's he stepped up tremendously. I can't wait till everyone starts cheering Stanton now, the way that Didier's getting cheered and the way he got booed at uh, the start. Austin Homer's again yesterday, and then Neil Walker today getting the start at first base. I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't. I don't like Neil Walker at all right now. He needs a couple of days off. More Super than just four one. with the home run last night for uh, Austin, and uh, back on the bench today. Not so sure. I agree with that. Um, I would like to see him other than Neil Walker. He's the hot hand at first. And base. a tiny note: Adam Lind has been signed for a second minor league deal with the New York Yankees, so maybe we'll see him up soon. Maybe that means that Greg Bird isn't is. Uh, going to you know, be back as uh, soon as they have maybe thought. And maybe Neil Walker just, really does just suck. I agree with you. Just looking at the splits real quick for, uh, for Stanton, because uh, you brought up the weather and uh, you know the slow start. He's notoriously a pretty slow starter. And then as the summer months warm up, he starts warming up. Ju- uh, June, July, and August, uh, the power really starts to show. The average even gets better. So uh, I'm on fan graphs. Anybody else can find it if they really want to. But notoriously a slow starter. And then as the weather warms in the summer months, that's when Stanton shines. And obviously, we know when Stanton is hot, he is Can carry a team. Hot. Yeah. He, he single-handedly almost got the Marlins in the playoffs last year. I mean, uh, so we know what he can do when he, gets, uh, when he catches fire. Yeah, so, um, you know, baseball is going to take the back seat uh, once again for the final time until probably training camp opens to the NFL uh, for the next seven or eight days. Uh, started with the schedule being released on Thursday night. Um, now I had a hockey game Thursday night, so I only got to see a couple of, I didn't really get to break down the giant schedule until yesterday. Um, but as fans of the show and people watching the three of us, four of us with doing as giants fans, uh, you're going to get more giant talk than you're going to hear about the bears or Browns. 
Um, maybe not the Brown, maybe not the Browns so much this week, because this might be the biggest week in their franchise's history. But the Giants' start to this schedule is absolutely brutal. I don't know if you guys have looked into yeah. it. Oh, it's horrific. They're they, going to be a top ten pick next year. They with this, and I, I, I listen. It's it's April. You don't know what's going to happen with these rosters, but free agency for the most part's done. Now the draft, and then you kind of get into the you know the secondary, the tertiary players. Um, they legit could be underdogs in all of their first seven games. It's horrible. It's I mean I think Jacksonville at home is a loss. Uh, Dallas is a crapshoot. I could see them splitting with them at Houston. It depends if Watson's back, but that defense is uh, is always pretty good if if healthy. New Orleans here, it's still Drew Brees. That defense looked so much better last year. I don't like that game. At Carolina, last time we were there, there was a toothless stripper and a blowout. And a 38 nothing loss. Then it's Philadelphia, the defending Super Bowl champs. Don't like that game. And then you have to go to Atlanta. You'd have to think they're a better home team than last year, which was a disaster. So their first win could be uh, at home in Washington again, uh, October 28th. That's an absolute must-win in Dallas week, too. It has it's to be. It's a must-win. <laughs> and it's something you have to already say a must-win and they didn't even play a damn game yet. But that's a must-win with this schedule. So is it a must-win or is the Jacksonville game a must-win? Winning a game at home and getting into a winning culture at home against Jacksonville, to me, is the must-win. But you know what? Even if they start off 2-0, that's a rough stretch right there. Of course. You want to tread water through those seven games. If you can get to 3-4 and four even – and then you get the Washington, San Francisco, Tampa Bay. Even then, Chicago, Tennessee, those are games you can win. What's unfortunate for the Giants is they finished last place and you're facing last place teams. But does this look like a last place schedule? This is not a last place schedule because they get the, the AFC South. Jacksonville isn't as bad as you had, you know, usually thought. Two years ago, the that one, division sucked. The one That's year, a pretty damn good division now. The one year that Jacksonville's good is the one year we played him, you know? Um, and you don't want to be 0-1 after that Jacksonville game and have to go to Dallas and Houston. They're in Texas back-to-back weeks. You wonder if they'll even come home. That Jacksonville game could be a disaster. With the, the amount of yards even that defense gave up, you will hear all the Eli Manning stories. If they don't take a quarterback or they do take a quarterback, you take Barkley and the way they shut the run down there last year, Jacksonville, that game is going to be a meteor storm if they get blown out by Jacksonville. But look about a test for the offensive line immediately. Horrific. And you know what it could be, though? It could be a matchup of the top two running backs chosen in the top five picks the last two years of Leonard Fournette versus Saquon Barkley. That'll be something that takes the pressure off of Eli, you hope, in his <coughs> debut. Uh, you, Saquon Barkley against that front and against that team. Forget They it. were in the AFC Championship game, guys. This is not, you know, your normal Jacksonville Jaguars. And you guys happen to catch the uh, Gettleman interview? Yes, I did. But real quick, and it's Tom Coughlin back at Old Town Stadium. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, yeah, Gettleman had a lot to say this week in uh, his uh, last press conference before the draft. And he, he's kind of climbing around a little. He's laughing about it. He's, uh, he's he playing like, a game. Looks like he's going to have some fun with the press. Um, but real quick, do you guys think Des Bryant will be a giant? I, I didn't until they released uh, Marshall, and now I could see it. He wants to play twice um, against, the, uh, against the Cowboys. I don't think Philadelphia wants him. I really don't. I don't think he wants to go to Washington – and I think he really ideally wants to be the Giants, that rivalry against the Cowboys, to shove it to them. I could see a one-year deal, show-me type deal, loaded with incentives and a signing bonus. Uh, it'll take at least a two-year deal because of the cap implications. Um, but he has said that money is not a big deal, um, and that's not going to be the deciding factor. But if you guys follow him on Instagram, it's a big deal. He would have took his pay cut with Dallas, no? 
They never offered it to him. He tweeted this week. He was not offered a pay cut. Oh, he, he made sure he's to tweet really it. He's, to that organization he's and the shooting, well, he's <laughs> and that's one of the reasons he's pissed at them. The team is saying they did offer him a and, pay cut. And so, one of the reasons they faced, uh, faced his former team twice. Who knows? Maybe it was just a non-negotiable thing where they said you have to take it down to here, not when it gets so negotiated. Do you think we're going to sign him? Well, have you guys seen his Twitter and Instagram? He's working out with Odell. He's working yeah. out with Odell Beckham. And did you see the background of the, the uh, workout? I don't take that to. Uh, but did you see the background of the workout? No, what was the background? ESPN, with the story on, is Dallas no longer a playoff team since they cut them. <laughs> that is in the background of the video of him and Odell Beckham working out together. That's if that's not him doing that on purpose and trolling them and saying, let's go, Odell, let's win the NFC East or let's you know, knock Dallas out, I don't know what is. Hey, listen, Odell works out with Johnny Football. Does that mean the Giants are going to sign him? It too? doesn't, but when he's, they don't he the quarterback, going maybe. out of his way to retweet <laughs> and send that all out <laughs> – I, I, I mean, he really—he he said he would like to come here. So if he—I mean, if, if we could get done, if he get done. Now the next question is, guys, do you want him? Well, you asked me if I think we're going to do it, and when I—and and do I want him? And when he first got cut, somebody tweeted, "Oh, Giants, please!" And I was like, "No, thank you. Like, I'll pass." Like, yeah, I don't. I but Marshall getting cut changes. When Marshall gets cut, and Dez is has something to play for. He's playing for his pride. He's playing for revenge on the Cowboys, and he kind of wants to be a Giant. I might hate it. I might hate him for the pass, but. You have a guy that wants to be here. It kind of changes your mind about them a little bit. I think he's tr- he's a little mature now, also, and I think that that can only have a, a positive impact on Odell. I really do. Evan Ingram, young. If you draft Barclay, also young. Shepard is still young. Um, I actually welcome it. I really do. I think they need some sort of veteran receiver do you there. Trust his maturity, though. Because now he's going to be with Odell Beckham. But I think, really he has a chip. I think he has a chip on his shoulder, Vinny. I, no, I, I really... agree with that. But now if he does, he's not getting the – he comes to the Giants. He's trying to do everything you just said. And it doesn't happen. He doesn't get the targets. He doesn't get the reception. He doesn't get the touchdowns. doesn't become a problem now. Well, that's where what Mike said comes into fruition, too, is it's a short-term deal. Right. Even if it's a two-year deal, he's not a long-term problem. He's not going to be a long-term cap casualty. So that's where, in the end, you could just be cut. It's, got a, it's definitely got to be a short-term deal because, I mean, you don't want to commit to the Giants so you don't know who they're Can you picture Odell on one side and Dez on the other side? They I mean, they did. They did. They're tickle buddies. So, I mean, they work out together and they tickle each other. So, <laughs> it's a special bond. <laughs> Think of the touchdown celebration. I don't know. I don't know how to feel. I'll tell you what. I wouldn't mind if we take him, but I wouldn't mind if we don't. Yeah, I I'm not. He's not a guy that I worry about going to Washington and being the difference in them getting better than us. I don't think he's as good as Des. I don't think he's nearly the Des Bryant that we all think he is. Yeah. But he will never be double teamed in New York. And you said that him on one side and uh, Odell on the other side. I actually think Des is going to be our third wide receiver. I think Sterling Shepard is going to be better than him. Well, you're not going to put Des in the slot. No, no, but he's going to be. He's going to be in the slot, and he's going to. He might get those extra. Um, him and and uh, Engram. And then if you ever have a play-action threat with Saquon, I think that could be the biggest beneficiary of our Rob's clearly no way. Rob's guy taking Saquon Barkley, by the way. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's Rob's, Rob's got his jersey, right? I've been on it for, for a long time. Uh, a, lot, a lot of people have. I mean, the failed experiment with Marshall, it, could work, it's, it can only work out better with Dez. I mean, like I said, my, my most excited thing when we got Marshall, I knew he was at the end of his career. And actually, I didn't think he'd have 18 career receptions with the Giants. <laughs> but um, the best part, I said, he's going to make Odell and Shepard better. Dez Bryant will definitely do that for him. And Marshall battled, in, battled injuries. And, that, and that's, without what he, sucks. Yeah, that's without what he would have brought himself. Right. So Dez is obviously younger and better than uh, Brandon Marshall at this point in his career. So. See what the money is. But, I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of testosterone in that locker room. So. 
Des Bryant has never, ever been a guy that has not had to deal with, A, the best cornerback, and B, double teams. And that's where I say he's going to be the third receiver. You think about the defensive schemes against the Giants. Well, there's not going to be eight men in the box because if, if they do have Saquon, and Des did say, he's a, oh, if they draft Saquon Barkley. So I think that's part of his – he might wait to see how that happens before he decides on the Giants or not. But he's also not going to get the top cornerback because they're going to be on Odell. And then they're going to have to figure out who they want to put in the slot. And at the very best, now what are they going to do? A linebacker on Evan Engram? That's impossible. It's impossible to guard. You know, we're talking about all this. And this all sounds uh, swell and dandy, but you still need help on that offensive line. Yeah. And they do, but they did get Nate Solder. That's, that's why. And they still have the draft where. And they did lose Justin Fields. And now I think on Monday, and I, I threw it out to you guys, where we could maybe do our little mock drafts or whatever. You know, not, not the whole first round, but you, you, we could mock it out and see what we like. But my best strategy, if you want to get into the draft right now at 11, uh, 1137, looks like it's going to be just the three of us and Goon for the rest of the show, and that's fine. Uh, but we could talk draft. And I think that one of the best, I want to see what you guys think of, the best ways for the Giants to go, if you do go uh, Barkley number one, your second-round pick is the second overall in the second round. So that's basically a first-round pick, right? right it's right. number 34. You can either trade up a couple spots and get back into the first round if there's a guy you love on the offensive line. You can get a good or you simply take a top, basically a first-round top type of offensive lineman in the second round, and you have him and Solder now, and now you're really starting to build something. They need three offensive linemen. Well, I'm you can only get one at a time, right? You can, but, I mean, the season's coming, and they don't care about that. So – Eventually, you're going to need three more offensive linemen. I'm not trusting Flowers to move to guard or, or the right tackle. I'm not trusting the Canadian center who did a decent job towards the end of last year. I'm going to buy Soldier, and I'm going to buy the uh, the guard they signed from Jacksonville. That's it. They need a lot the of help. Jacksonville. He's, a, he's been a journeyman already. He yeah, but he, he, they, he did a good job last year with, with Fournette and, and protecting Bortles, and he's a guard. But let me ask you this. So saying that, um, what would you do in the draft? Do you want to take Barkley? Do you want to trade down and take Quentin Nelson? No, I'll line? take Barkley, but I think they should have addressed it more in free agency. I, I really do. Yeah, this goes back to Vinny was saying with Dez, cut Marshall earlier and spend more on offensive line. There's there's ways to get these guys still. It's crazy um, right before the draft now. You can't even trade them for like a fifth or sixth round pick even. You know, well, nobody just wanted Marshall. Dez, I Well, you can't do Marshall when he failed the physical either. You well, look at C.J. Anderson. Again, uh, this is another guy. You couldn't have gotten a, a seventh or sixth-round pick for C.J. Anderson? Where's he going to go? I don't think he's even a crucial back anymore. Honestly. I'll tell you this. The Giants can't start next season with Jonathan Stewart's the number one running back. So they can go sign they C.J. Might. Anderson. So if they don't take Saquon Barkley, that's not happening. Then you start to look at the C.J. Anderson or, or a running back in the middle rounds. But if you're not taking Barkley in the first round, that means you're taking a quarterback or you trade it down, right? Are you taking Barkley, Mike, at Tim? Um, I think uh, if it's me, I'm taking Barkley. I think that if Sam Darnold goes one, I think it's going to be Barkley or trade out. I think if somebody else goes <laughs> one, the Giants are taking Sam Darnold. I want them to trade out more than anything, to be honest with you. I really do. Uh, but if, at two, like I said, if they don't take a quarterback, I'm happy. Whether it's Barkley, whether it's Chubb, they can even take Quentin Nelson at two, and I'd be happy. Well, it's not a quarterback, but if I had to pick out of them, I'm, on, I'm the GM, I have the draft pick, I am I taking Barkley at two. Um, I can't take Quentin Nelson at two. You can't take an offensive guard in this kind of I wouldn't be mad two. if they did. I'm talking I know, I but, that's, but that's more because you're anti-quarterback. I'm very anti-quarterback. <clears throat> I don't think that's more of a pro. Uh, but that also Nelson. helps the New York Giants. The problem with trading down is this. 
Um, Buffalo seems to be that big team that would be the one trading up. And, the only likely and it seems right now, and if you heard John Elway yesterday, John Elway said Denver's open for trading business. They're open to trade their pick. Um, this is a top-heavy draft. I have never researched an NFL draft more than I have this one. Why? Well, the Giants have never really been in this position since I've really – it's a good thing. A, right. I mean, the Eli Manning draft was whatever, but I, I was 14 years ago. I wasn't researching this stuff then. I was, you know, I was younger. I didn't care as much. I cared about the team, but it wasn't on the internet the way it is now. Um, this is a very top heavy draft. If the Giants trade all the way down to 12 with Buffalo, they got to get to 12 to 23 in the next year's one, but then they lose out on the top talent on this year's draft. It's not deep enough where the top guys are going to be available at 12. Yeah, but they can I'm still worried get, about they that. They can still get an offensive line. That, that honestly builds their offensive line. Then you get two first-round picks next year. Where we just went to the schedule, it looks like the Giants might be in the top ten again, and they might have two picks to go. Well, the problem is this: um, at that point, now you're going to have to get a quarterback, right? Unless it's at Davis, some point, unless yeah. it's Davis Webb. And the problem with Davis Webb Your is, boy. well, a lot of people have a lot of good things to say about him, but it wasn't this regime that drafted him. This was Jerry Reese and Ben McAdoo that drafted him. Pac-12 quarterbacks suck. Well, the problem is two, two of these four quarterbacks are Pac-12 quarterbacks, and Darnold and Rosen. And we know where I stand on these quarterbacks. Yeah, and I agree about the Pac-12 quarterbacks, and especially USC quarterbacks. And it seems that, you know, you know Darnold is the guy that everybody's saying is number one, and Darnold's the guy that they, everybody's saying the Giants uh, is the only one that the Giants like of all them is Sam Darnold. So and what the Giants going to pull a trigger on him if he doesn't go number one to Cleveland? Uh, they probably have to at that point. I mean, who would go number one, Saquon? How's, I don't know. Maybe they take a quarterback, Josh Allen. Yeah. ESPN had Josh Allen going first overall yesterday. I too. saw that, too. I've seen a lot of different mock drafts. They, they have a lot of different people like going in a lot of different ways. That's what I'm saying. None of these quarterbacks are a sure thing. That's why everybody has these quarterbacks going, you know, different order. Right? And Mike, some of these mock drafts are so fraudulent. They throw out a different mock draft every week, and at the end, they're like, see you in uh, – in in May in uh, yeah. February I had this happening. One of them end up being right. Oh, okay. Well, what about the nine that you didn't have this time? Well, no. Look, uh, in February, on February seventeenth, I had this draft. I got it right. It's so fraudulent, man. One mock draft. And you don't need to be doing it every week. You got the New York Jets are locked in on Baker Mayfield. That's what I was going to bring up too, because we spent a ton of time here with the Giants. I do think it's Baker Mayfield, and unless again somehow Sam Darnold goes to three, I think it's one hundred percent Baker. I think. I did my mock. I sent you guys a picture of what I did for my mock draft that I wanted to talk about on Monday. But I truly think if the Jets take Mayfield, that Josh Rosen could fall deep enough where the Bills might not even have to trade that high up, if at all, to get Josh Rosen. I have it written down too. I think he's falling to the Bills at twelve. I really do. All right. Well, we're on the I, same page, and we did not agree. talk about this. No, I completely agree. I sent with you guys you. a screenshot of it, but what do you got Denver taking? Uh, I had the Broncos taking Josh Allen. And uh, Cleveland going Chubb, I imagine. I do, yeah, that's the way. Yep. Uh, for me. And you gotta, and I agree with. The and then I think Quentin the Colts Nelson, protect. They gotta take yeah. uh, offensive linemen. Right, I have the Colts taking Quinton Nelson. I love to the Colts trade. They did the Jets, man. I love that trade they did. That's perfect trade for them. And a lot of people have been saying this week, and of course this will touch Mike right where, uh, right where, it, you know, feels good. But the uh, the Colts trade with the Jets, everybody is saying was the Colts completely believing that Luck will be ready for Week One, otherwise they would have taken the quarterback. I mean, let's see. Three. Has he thrown a football yet? Not yet. Exactly. I'm sure it's going to be documented when he does because it's been a long time since he has. Mike will have the film in here. He will be gone frame by frame you by bet. frame. You Arm bet. angles, shorter, where the shoulder drops and everything that, where his elbow is. Hopefully in the uh, all his time not throwing football, he's working on his speech because that guy's got a lot of saliva in his mouth when he talks. 
A couple other big names. Uh, I didn't do the whole first round, but I have Calvin Ridley going to Arizona. I just uh, can see that as a fit at 15, Vin. You can tell me if that's too early or not, but Fitzgerald's not playing forever. Who else to, to learn from there than, than Larry Fitzgerald? And then I have Lamar Jackson going to the Steelers. He's been linked to them with the Patriots. I don't really see that as a Patriots guy. They want the more of the pocket passer. Uh, I could see Lamar Jackson, though, with the Steelers. I think that's a great fit for the Steelers, honestly. I think, uh, I think they're definitely zoning in on Lamar Jackson. Obviously, the Patriots are uh, you know, rumored with them. As for Calvin Ridley going 15, this guy was rumored in all the beginning mock drafts, one of the nine that everyone does, Rob, as high as eight with uh, the Bears. I think he goes before 15. Do you? I had him at number 11 with the Dolphins as the guy that takes Jarvis Landry's spot. Hey, if they're not – Makes listen, sense, too. Um, you, what, what makes you uh, – you have Buffalo picking – where do you have Rosen going? Bills 12, and yeah. You don't think the Dolphins are taking a quarterback if Rosen's there? No, I, I think they're I think they're okay with uh, with Tannehill. I, really I don't do. think they're okay with Tannehill. They might think otherwise. I don't think they're okay with Tannehill. <laughs> well, I agree <laughs> with you. I agree <laughs> with you. Listen, I think if they have Josh Rosen falling that late, they're definitely taking them. They've been linked to Baker Mayfield as well. Yeah. So let me ask you. You didn't say, Vinny. Do you have the Jets taking Baker Mayfield? I, I do. I do. And um, – I hope he doesn't go there because I'm pulling for Baker and I don't like the Jets. But um, listen, um, everyone doubts his size and everything. I still think he's the best actual passer and he has the stats in college and the big games to prove it. And then if I could tell you right now, both of you, the Browns are walking out of the draft with Sam Darnold and Bradley Chubb. You call that draft a success or no? 100%. They get the best quarterback in the draft, whether we like him or not. And you have to take one if you're the Browns. And they now they have Miles Garrett and right. this year's best defensive <laughs> player. Um, to start building that defense. What do you think about the, everybody talking about the stupid rumors of them actually taking a quarterback first and fourth? Do you know how ridiculous that sounds? Yeah, I, that's not happening. I talked Come about on. that yesterday. I, I could. Um, Some people legitimately think they have to just because they're so bad at picking quarterbacks, <laughs> which obviously their track record proves that they cannot pick the damn court, right quarterback. One out of two um, will be right. Well, let me ask you this. Your pick like that and, just, and, and hope one of them are good. <laughs> yeah, but you know the scenario that that works out for them? Is it what? No, 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 no. They would be trading. Hear me well, out. One of them you're not going to see. No. If one's this, good. The way that that works out for them is if the Giants take a quarterback. So you know now that the Browns take Donald, the Giants take quarterback A, the Jets take the other quarterback, and now there's only one left. So say it's just for argument's sake, it's Donald Rose and Allen. Uh, say they take Baker Mayfield. The bidding war that teams will get in for one of those two quarterbacks is so much more. They can get so much more out of that than just what Bradley Chubb can be. That's where it could work out for them. And also, I'm not sitting here saying they should do it, but can't they get a lot out of that? Yeah, sure. But I think it's it's retarded to even think. Also, don't be surprised if the Browns trade that fourth pick. I could see that also. Do not be surprised. They are notorious for trading uh, first round picks. I agree with you. In, uh, future drafts. Do not be surprised at all. If somebody, even like Buffalo, moves all into the fourth spot. And can we just talk again with the Jets real quick? Are we set? Listen, they make that huge trade. They give up all that. I, have to, I understand you have to take a quarterback. But do you think there's any way that if Barkley's there, they're not like, we could take the running back of the future, hope we have something in 25-year-old Teddy Bridgewater, hopefully there's something there and lock him up? That would be astonishing if they took Barkley there at three. It would be a fireable offense. And what are you doing with Teddy? Uh, it's, it's a one-year, $5 million deal. And what are you doing with McCown? 39 years old. And what are you but doing what, right. uh, Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Teddy and Hackenberg. And, are there enough chairs in a quarterback room? <laughs> It's a fireable offense to they make that trade. They're stashing him at the wide receiver spots on their depth chart. <laughs> <laughs> if, the Jets, if, if the Jets take the wrong quarterback here, McCagney's getting fired anyway. I agree this with is, you. This is everything. He traded three seconds, which is a lot. That's a ton of capital to move up three spots in the draft. And he did not do it 
to take Saquon Barkley. Do not do it to take Bradley Chubb. Do not do it for anything else. If he did it, A, I'd be pissed because we didn't take Saquon. And B, I'd be even more pissed because I'd be like, now if this guy goes out to be Marshall Falk with the Jets, but I don't think that the Jets have any intention of taking anything other than the best quarterback available, and it's going to be Josh Rosen or it's going to be Baker Mayfield. And, Vinny, another name, uh, what team do you see with uh, Mason Rudolph? Mason Rudolph, my boy, I'm hoping, is the Giants' third-round pick. You think he falls all the way to the third round? I don't, th- I don't think him he, as high as the first. I don't think he falls to the third round. You don't think I'm, that's I'm a – hoping that. That's my, that's my dream. <laughs> you don't think that's a Bill Belichick guy written all over it? Dude, I was, I'm thinking that too, honestly. I want him to be the past. I want him to be Brady's successor. I mean, everybody was all over Ryan Mallett and he never played. Uh, Mason Rudolph, I genuinely think, could be the best quarterback in this draft. And if he goes to the past, that alone, just him being in that system, could prove that. Mike, I was saving this for Monday. But oh, since we boy. have 10 minutes to go still. Let's do it. No. Patriots. Yes. Prime team to trade out for Cleveland's number four. I don't see it. I've seen it in multiple mock drafts. Take quarterback. I've heard the quarterback. I've heard them link to Rosen also. Multiple. And two seconds. That's right. They do. They have every piece of draft capital you can have to move up to almost any spot in this draft. It's very interesting because Schefter tweeted out also that Brady hasn't committed, committed to coming back either. Man, so man, that's just trying to make a story. But yeah. even we're so, not, even if he comes, even if he comes back though, how many years does he have left? And who better to learn from for a Josh Rosen, Josh Allen type? I don't think they would take Baker Mayfield. That's not a Belichick guy. But um, you take one of those guys at number four. And, I mean, I'm telling you, I've seen all these mock drafts. Well, this is, that's this great. Time. Yeah, Sam Darnold is not going four. Sam Darnold will be a top three pick. Agreed. That is a lock. Agreed. So, I don't know. if you, Vinny, you have the over-unders. And I'm telling you now, I think Baker Mayfield, I think you said it was six and a half. Yeah. Uh, that's I, a I'd lock, too. I'd rather get into all those on Monday. That's, that's that is funny. a lock as yeah, well. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um, back to Tom Brady. Do you really think he's going to retire out of the blue? You don't think he, he would tell the Patriots by now that he's going to retire? And after the way they lost the Super Bowl, with all the memes of him dropping that football, you think that's how he's going to go out? Not a shot, especially when, he's, going when he has a great shot. I agree with you. There's a lot going yeah, on. I think there's definitely something going on behind closed doors, especially time. between the coach and the quarterback. But, I mean, I'm not worried about it. Tom Brady would have retired by now. He's not waiting. He's not, going, of, he's not going to pull a last second I'm retired. A lot of players come out to piss that Belichick mentioned. Uh, right. Amendola called Belichick an asshole. A bunch of players out there. How how relieving do you think that was for Amendola? The second he goes to Miami, he's like, now I can talk shit about them. Yeah. Like, yep. <laughs> I've been waiting to call this guy an asshole my whole career. Meanwhile, that guy was a nobody with the Rams except for a concussion waiting to happen. He goes there and wins a few Super Bowls. Now he leaves and uh, all of a sudden the he's Patriots a big Patriots always need that concussed white receiver going on. We have Wes Walker, Amendola. Yeah, so we have a lot to get to with that on Monday. I'm just everywhere you look now, people have their new mock drafts out. Bob Glaber, great Newsday guy, been covering the NFL forever. Uh, he basically follows what we had said. He has the Jets going Rosen. So now, so I'm like, I was actually wrong when I, I see that a lot too. We talked about how similar we were um, with our with the Bills getting uh, Rosen at 12. I actually had it backwards. I had Allen at 12. So I okay. had the quarterback right. going to That's 12. That's fine. Yep. I, it was the same, same, same. Mine that one's thought. falling. One of them could fall to twelve, and they yep. have to make a trade. I just had this. I had it be Allen. You have it be Rosen. Um, I I do think that Rosen um, is a little bit higher up on teams' boards than people think, and I think Allen's the guy that would fall. Uh, Bradley Chubb also going four, which we all uh, can see that as well. Uh, there's the corner, which is very interesting. Going to the the box there, Fitzpatrick. Uh, I had. I don't know these players well enough, maybe like Vinny, to, to see where they're going to go. But, uh, the, you know, Tampa Bay, that defense struggles, that offense struggled. 
They have a ton of holes, man. But they have no further to look than New Orleans because of what a rookie star cornerback can do for your defense. And they know New Orleans pretty damn well. Right. And what Minka Fitzpatrick maybe could do that as a safety out of Alabama for them uh, at number seven. And he can even play corner. He's just a secondary specialist, Minka Fitzpatrick. He's a defensive player of the year, SEC. Very, very good player. So, uh, Bucks, Bucks at that spot, like Mike said, there's a lot of holes. You just take the best player there. And then uh, looking at the Bears, uh, that was a team at home. Their defense showed up a, a lot more at home. Uh, I think they had the – who was it? The corner of the linebacker, three picks that one game. I forget his name, but I think that's a team that you can start seeing, again, let's in Bears terms take a next step. And uh, not even 500, but a six-win team, a seven-win team, you know, pushing that 500 record, uh, you know, with, uh, with Mitchell Trubisky there. So uh, last quarterback to go number two. Right, ball. I'm fine with a uh, you know a defensive player there. I really am. And Vinny, you mentioned you've seen even Calvin Ridley there. Would you like that at a young receiver to develop with with Trubisky? Um, I I thought they were linked. I thought the Bears were linked to Ridley for a long time until recent mock drafts. Um, Denzel Ward's a great cornerback too for Ohio State. I think that'd be better. But obviously they got to give Mitch some help. Mitch can't throw to himself, you know. So I would like to see Calvin Ridley go there. And where does Green Bay pick? Because giving Aaron Rodgers Calvin yeah, Ridley would get the immediate draft stock. 14, I They're think. At 14, that's a, he might be around at that point. Uh, that's fine. And they have them taking a D-end, which they certainly need also. There's a lot of holes on that team. And the only guy they've brought in, I think, is Jimmy Graham, right? So. And uh, they got Mo Wilkes. Yes, they did. Yep. Lamar Jackson, top 15 pick. What do you think? Mm, I, I don't see that either. I see him going to the Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals do need a quarterback. They do. Very badly. I mean, if he were to go top 15, I guess that would be the spot. Calvin like Ridley, hands all. down, the best wide receiver in the staff, not even close. Not a strong wide receiver, um, doesn't, but he's a good round runner. Yeah, it's not a good wide receiver class. Uh, there's also a guy, Christian Kirk, who I've been trying to get on the show at Texas A&M. He's also very good. And someone at SMU, yeah. yeah. There you go. Uh, Court, Courtland Sutton, right? Yep. There you go. Yeah, he, he's pretty good, too. I don't think Ridley's the bona fide number one wide receiver, but he will be the first receiver. They and, I mean, that makes all the sense now, too. After Desley, even the Cowboys have to take a receiver, you would think. And if you're a Giants fan, you got to start looking towards the bottom of these mock drafts because some of those guys are going to slip to their pick in, in the second round. And that's where you start to look at some of these guys. Um, Vinny, I've heard a ton about Josh Jackson out of Iowa. ESPN, was, Mel Kuyper was just talking about him, that he could be one of the fastest rises in the first round. I actually don't know too much about Josh Jackson. But, yeah, I mean, uh, at quarterback, he's right there with uh, Fitzpatrick and um, what's-his-face, uh, Ward. <clears throat> Yeah, so, you know, listen, we, we could talk about it on Monday. We can give our final picks and, and our predictions. There it is, Vin. Mason Rudolph to the Patriots. <laughs> Let's go! Let's go! <laughs> Mason Rudolph, the boy. Yeah, my dream is for him to fall in the Giants are three. But, yeah, like most things, he's not going to go. Very underrated quarterback. All right, what about two? Do you take him in the second round for the Giants with Barkley? In the uh, if they get Barkley in the first, you take him. But now that means you're not getting a top talent on the offensive line. No, I, I think the offensive line is so important and needs to be addressed. It's just been so forgotten about for, for years. The defensive line needs to be addressed too with Pierre Polgon. I it mean, does. everyone can it make does. fun of him, and you know he hasn't been that good. And but Vernon, you still need somebody. Vernon has not lived up to that contract he one bit either. So uh, yeah, they got to address the D line. Listen, you can't fix both of them this year. You can't, and that's why I think as much as you know, a quarterback's a big position. I love Mason Rudolph. You got to address either or pass rusher. Or more importantly, the offensive line, if you ask me. And we've been talking about this draft since basically, what, October, when the Giants just couldn't win a game for their life. Um, and we talked about it. Uh, the season ended. We knew they had the number two pick. We started talking about it in January. We kept saying, 
Well, we have plenty of time to talk about the draft, and we've talked about it a little bit. Finally, it's here this Thursday night uh, on about 12 different channels, I think, covered yeah. the NFL draft. And I've already seen two channels um, commit to not giving the pick away before it's announced at the podium. So uh, that's pretty exciting. So make sure you watch. I believe it was uh, NFL Network. And I'll be watching Fox. ESPN. Mel Kiper, man. That guy knows everything. So I'm a big Mel Kiper fan. I'm more of a McShay guy, even though, Rob, you're right. I think it was you. <laughs> he, he did have a terrible uh, mock draft last year. He, his mock draft was way off last year. but He's usually pretty good, though. Uh, it is. It's also a prediction business. You Mel know? Kiper also made me look really, really bad when uh, I went around saying Aaron Ross is better than Darrell Rebus because Mel Kiper raved about it. Uh, that didn't turn out too well. <laughs> if you look, um, since, since you brought up uh, Kiper, um, they have Josh Allen number one and Sam Donald making it to the Jets. Allen, Saquon, Donald. You could. That's that is my problem with these quarterbacks. There's not one quarterback out there that is heads above the rest that you got to take or even two that stand out. All four, you've seen all four of these guys pick number one in mock drafts. You think um, the Giants, and you know, he's been wearing the Giants stuff and the Giants have been talking about Barkley. There just seems to be a link there. Do you think the Giants are more or less telling the Browns, hey, he's not going to be there at four. If you want him, take him because we want Sam Donald. But almost some mind games there. Or do you think the Giants truly want uh, Saquon there? I'll tell you what, the Giants are being good about being quiet about their pick, and I like that. I don't think that Saquon works for the Browns um, right now. They're a team that has Duke Johnson and just signed Carlos Hyde to a big deal. So now you're going to waste one. Not waste, because Saquon's not a waste ever. And you could always cut Duke Johnson. I get it. But why sign Carlos Hyde? Yeah, they cut Duke Johnson. You'll have 31 teams long enough there. Why sign Carlos Hyde? and then use your top five pick on another running back. Why would, they, why would they do that? So I don't think that the Giants – and a lot of people said this, Mike, so you're, like, not in the minority at all, at all that the Giants might be trying to get them to take Saquon number one so Donald falls to two. But I just don't see and why the Browns would do that. is running backs are the most easily replaced yeah. position in the NFL. Which is almost why, you know what, I'm hoping now, I've changed my mind, Saquon <laughs> Barkley, I want them to trade out. In the defensive line and offensive line that we've talked about, I want to trade back. Um, I'm still on the Barkley, but I will not be mad, I will not rant, I will not be angry if we can make a good trade and trade down. I've said it all along, trade down was my I'll number one thing. I want to trade down number one, then Barkley number two, but as the way I see them progress, the more I saw Barkley and the more I just thought about that offense and how unstoppable they really could be impossible to guard. We saw the 30 for 30 on the bills, right? Yeah. Cause those, those bills might be the only people I could figure out how to slow down Barkley, Odell, Shepard, Engram, and maybe Dez. Vinny, is Wayne Goldman a starter in the NFL or is this somebody we're going to be cutting? Uh, I don't think he's all that great. I mean, granted, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt because the offensive line sucks, but I mean, he's nothing more than a running back too. Oh yeah. And he's not Darkla. I know there's a guy in Canada that's forever, uh, forever ruined by your Orleans Darkwa. Well, he's from Canada. Oh, yeah, he, was he kept telling us he was Canadian and visiting, and uh, you would tell him about Darkwa. I think he's, like, forever, like, screwed up so in let, the head. Let's say you do draft Barkley. Now you, the Giants have a roster with Jonathan Stewart, Saquon Barkley, Shane Vereen, Wayne Gallman, and Orleans Darkwa. I mean, Vereen will get shot. There's a lot of guys. Two of them have to get cut. Yeah, and there's a lot of expendable guys. This is not Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. who are But Stewart's not guys. going. That's Gettleman's boy. That's, That's going to be the rat in the locker room. But he's the personal uh, guy to uh, bring uh, Barkley through. He's the perfect guy to show him the ropes, to give him his small rest. Maybe they have a two-running back set. You don't know in a short yardage. Time and big-time future implication pick for our new GM. I really agree. Is. 
It's going to define his, it's gonna define his it career. It certainly is. And he, I think he's hoping Sam Donald's there. And he said this week, it's absolute hogwash to the people that say when you pick in the top five, you need to take a generational quarterback. He said that's absolute BS. If we make the wrong pick on a quarterback, we're set back at least five or six years. And anyway, we're going to say goodbye to Block Talk Radio. Back Monday night, seven or eight, guys. Uh, I don't know. Oh, shh. Monday night, I actually have work, so we'll have to discuss All right. how we can make it work. I, CBT. I, I have to work Monday, but we'll, we'll find a way to CBT. make it work. Um, anyway, Bob Talk, guys. See you Monday night. Good night, everybody. Check out our website at www.overthetopsportshow.com. Also, follow us on Twitter at overthetopsportnos and on Instagram at overthetopsportshow. Over the top sports show.